Welcome back to Screen Time. I'm Ro Khan. Hi, I'm Richard Roper. We're going to talk a little bit about something that Bill Maher might have said that created some controversy. He knows how to push those buttons. He's been pushing buttons for decades now and yanking chains and, uh, and ruffling feathers and even sometimes getting panties in a bunch. He does all of that. We'll yeah. talk about that on the other side of telling you this. Screen Time with Roan Rubber is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com. The digital landscape is changing rapidly, and to compete in today's business environment, you need an experienced partner. Since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes offering web design, web development, e-commerce, mobile apps, digital marketing to drive your overall business success. Because they believe today's online world is your opportunity. Visit AmericanEagle.com today to get started. So Bill Maher decided this year's Oscars are crap because they're too depressing. He went on this long rant of about eight minutes on his TV show, which uh, airs on Friday nights on HBO, which is actually kind of a, a stroke of brilliance because he usually gets a lot of play over the weekend because there's not as much news for people to get all worked up about until mm -hmm. Saturday Night Live does some sort of skit making fun of some politician and then they get all the bounce on Sunday but this one I found particularly infuriating row and there's so many contradictions and so much hypocrisy in this particular rant by Bill Maher because as you mentioned his, his main point was if you go through the list of nominees for best picture this year they're so depressing he goes through a litany of why these films are so depressing, a rants at Hollywood saying, you know, this was the wrong time to do these serious films. He even gave away the ending to one of the films, which I thought was just a particularly shitty thing to do mm -hmm. because a lot of people are just now catching up with these films. But, Ro, my main problem with this, well, I can't say my main problem because I have 147 problems with this <laughs> and the podcast is only so long. the center long. one. But this idea that the nominees for Best Picture of 2020 were more depressing and too serious as opposed to previous years, this is the 93rd straight year of the 93 years of the Academy Awards where the Best Picture nominees are, by and large, the vast majority serious films tackling serious subjects. So he clearly is mad at Nomadland because Nomadland is a story of what happened to some American citizens after the 2008 crash and how they had to live. So it goes after that because that made him sad. He also doesn't like mm. Judas and the Black Messiah. That made him sad. Minari made him sad. Wait until he catches up with the passion of the Christ. I mean, <laughs> let's talk about Nomadland for a second, bro, because I thought it was the best picture of 2020. And Chloe Zhao was going to win Best Director, which is going to be great. Frances McDormand is a front runner for Best Actress, and we'll talk more about the Oscars later. But he goes on and on about how this film is so depressing. And, of course, it is about a time of economic hardship and this community of travelers living out of their vans who kind of depend on one another. Francis McDormand, as we mentioned, is the star of this. Many of the other actors in this are actually real-life nomad landers, if mm -hmm. you will, real-life people. But if you watch the film, and I don't know how many of these films he's actually seen, but if you watch the film, yes, there are some dark and, and really tough moments in this. But there's also so many great, beautiful moments of inspiration. There's one character in the film who talks about, you know, when she almost sees God just by being, you know, on her boat in the water and a certain flock of birds go by. And it's about the resilience of the human spirit. So the idea that it's and just depressing. may I add mm. the beauty of America? Absolutely. The it's beauty, a gorgeously filmed. physical yeah. beauty of America. 
And, you know, I, I remember my, my late partner, Roger Ebert, would often talk about this because people would say to him, oh, my gosh, this film is so depressing or it's about something so serious. And he'd say, you know what's depressing is when you see an alleged comedy that's terrible, when you see Hollywood just generating another cookie-cutter action film. That's depressing. But to see a great work of art... Listen, if you go to a museum, you'll see paintings depicting some of the darkest moments in human history on the grand scale. If you listen to music, whether it's opera or rock and roll or hip-hop, it's often about very dark, depressing subjects, about death and destruction and violence and man's inhumanity to man. But the work itself makes you feel better for having experienced it. The idea that it's depressing, oh, this movie's depressing, it's about a sad subject. Well, then I guess you never want to see a war movie. You never you never wanted to see anything like Terms of Endearment or Kramer versus Kramer. Oh my gosh, old Yeller didn't make it through the end. Spoiler alert. So to me, it's this classic straw man argument that he's making here. He has done that his entire career. One must recall that he got fired from ABC where yeah. he had a late night talk show right. on ABC before Jimmy Kimmel and all the rest of that. Yep. He got fired from that because he made a really incendiary remark about the 9-11 hijackers. Yeah, and See? who the real cowards were and saying that the hijackers weren't. Right. Now, he knew exactly what the reaction to that was going to be. He just figured, I can't get fired. I'm doing late night on ABC. That's just the way he thinks. He's not a normal dude. We all get that, and that's fine. There's a lot of people who are in our business who are not so normal. And Okay, God bless him. He's made a living. He's been a very successful media personality for decades. On the other side, though, he's trying to take advantage of something that is cheap and tawdry, by my standards. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, you mentioned this about Bill Maher. Uh, I give him a lot of credit for finding exactly his lane as this provocateur, this kind of slash, you know, this this hybrid of comic and political commentator and entertainer. He was a stand-up comic for a lot of years. Not a great one, a mm -hmm. good one, but not a great one. He was an actor, and I'll be hard-pressed to mention any of his movies to you right now, but he certainly tried his hand at that. And then he figured out this is the way to go. I was on a show a couple of times, and he's very amiable and personable backstage and i'll tell you a quick anecdote i was on the show once with joan rivers she was going to be a guest and this was one of the roundtable shows he did we had a live audience and he took me aside and he's like richard if you don't speak up when joan draws a breath you'll never get a line in edgewise she'll <laughs> never stop so when she's getting her applause line for one of her great jokes that she's ready to go with just go oh my god joan you're a genius and that reminds me of what i wanted to say here so he was very very helpful and you know what it's like to be on talk shows where the talk show hosts are very very generous and you know what it's like to be a guest on shows where it's all about right. them and he's very good at these Friday night gatherings he has now, and he'll go on the conservative side, then the libertarian side, then the, the liberal side, whatever he thinks he can kind of... Contrarian. You know, yeah, be the contrarian. One more point on this. He's taking advantage of the frustration that this pandemic has created. His main argument is that people need to be entertained, make it light, make it airy, redo an American in Paris or some crap like that. Not that that's crap. That's one of the greatest movies of all time. But you know what I mean? Right. It's like do something to make people smile. Well, that's not the point of art. Art lives in its own time, and he knows that, and he's just playing on yeah. simple emotions and frustration, and that's beneath him. That's exactly right. It's the fact that he's being so disingenuous here, Ro. This idea that he is suddenly offended by how depressing films are and about serious matters. 
I have for you, and I I pick I could have picked almost any year, but I decided to go with 40 years ago. The Best Picture nominees for 1980, 40 years ago. Okay. Here's your list. The Elephant Man, a real laugh romp. <laughs> oh, man. Ordinary People. Oh, God. Raging Bull. Oh. Coal Miner's Daughter. Oh, my God. And Tess. I mean, these are five deadly serious films about very serious subjects. And I also want to go through this for you, Rose. Not a laugh in any one of those films. Not, well, you know, um, I'm trying to think. No. Um, maybe, maybe, no. I, no, I'm trying to think of maybe one of the exchanges between Pesci and De Niro before they started beating each other over the head with raw steaks and Raging Bull or something like that. <laughs> yeah, so. But no. Uh, but this is the thing, too. You know, I, I know some people are going to be listening to this and say, oh, you know, Ro Khan and Richard Roper, they're part of the media elite. And they're so offended. I'm not offended by any of this. I'm offended by someone not using the facts when they're making their argument. And Bill Maher made the point or tried to make the argument that in 2020 we got nothing but serious fare. First of all, over the last decade or so, Hollywood has probably done more escapist fare than at any point in the history of the medium. Have you heard of the Avengers and the Marvel Universe? <laughs> I mean, all the movies are about escapism. All the big action movies. But I have just a partial list of movies that came out last year that are nothing but escapist fare. Palm Springs, The Wrong Missy, Eurovision Song Contest, Stargirl, The King of Staten Island, Bill and Ted Face the Music, I Used to Go Here, On the Rocks, Borat, Subsequent Movie Films, Spontaneous, The High Note, The Prom, Christmas on the Square, Jingle Jangle, for fuck's sake. Do you think Jingle Jangle <laughs> was a dark, depressing, deep dive? No. I mean, and I could go on and on, not to mention the fact, Ro, there are so many horror films and Netflix comedies and other films and series that are pure escapist fare. There was as much of it in 2020 as there was any other year. So, Bill, be honest about it. Isn't that your whole brand to be brutally honest about how you feel and what the facts are? It's too cheap. And there are actually a number of other films that are up for nominations and performances up for nominations that are really enlightening and fun. Yeah, for example, the front runner for best animated film, Soul, which is which is great. And Borat's got a couple of nominations. There's always a little comedy and a little bit of uh, music in the Academy Award nominations. But yes, they're deadly serious. Probably the best thing that came from this is it has people talking about some of these lesser known films. Nomadland, while it did very well, was certainly not a big hit. And all of the streaming services and platforms that are showing these movies, like The Trial of Chicago 7, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, One Night in Miami, they're all reporting huge increases in viewership for these films since the nominations were announced because people don't have to race out to the theaters to catch up with the nominees. They can just click play on one of their streaming platforms. This will be the most experienced Oscar audience yes. in the history of the program. People say, I saw that, I saw that, I saw that, right. I binge watched that, That's I saw fun. that twice, you saw that, we saw that, we all saw it. Which brings me to the contest. This is your last chance to try to beat you and me, the experts. You're the expert, I'm really not, but <laughs> it will be fun in our Oscar contest. All folks have to do is go to AmericanEagle.com slash ballot. AmericanEagle.com slash ballot. You can fill out your ballot. It takes about 30 seconds, or it could take an hour and a half if you're somebody that has a lot of trouble making decisions about live <laughs> That's you know, action short. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't cost anything to enter. All you have to do is fill out your ballot. One lucky winner is going to get a really cool movie streaming series prize package filled with items that are not available commercially. We put this together ourselves. We called in favors. I didn't get anything from Bill Maher's show. Maybe next year we'll get a, a coffee mug or something. Pillow. But it's really cool. And I do want to say again, 
We love when you subscribe and download and tell your friends, but all you got to do for this is go to the page, AmericanEagle.com slash ballot. And we're not stealing your identity. We're not stealing your information. We're just having fun. We'll talk about the Oscars and where the odds are on the Oscars coming up. But first, Portillo's is known for their famous Chicago hot dogs with all the freshest and tastiest ingredients right down to the poppy seed bun and, of course, their legendary chocolate cake. But that's just the beginning. The menu is bursting with a mouth-watering variety of favorites from the char-broiled burgers to Italian beef sandwiches, cheese fries, chopped salads, a Chicagoland favorite since 1963. Portillo's also has locations throughout the Midwest and Florida, California, and Arizona. Order for curbside pickup and delivery today. Ship Portillo's anywhere in the U.S. of A. by ordering at portillos.com. And let me just once again mention the chocolate cake. If you have somebody in your family who's having a birthday or anniversary or any kind of a celebration and you want a chocolate cake, order that from Portillo's, wherever you are listening to us. If you're listening to us in Hong Kong, where we popped at number three on the Hong Kong podcast. That's a true story. That's, and thank you, Hong Kong. Order from Portillo's. Portillo's.com. It is the best chocolate cake you will ever have in your life. I promise you, you can sue me for saying it if it's not true. It's amazing. And, of course, they famously tell you not to refrigerate the chocolate cake when you get it. Just have it fresh. And it is, it's so much fun when you give somebody a slice of the Portillo's chocolate cake and you tell them what you just said, all the stuff that you just said, they go, uh-huh, uh-huh, and they taste it, they go, oh, my God. I know, it's unbelievable. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's unbelievable. All right, anyway. Okay, let's talk about the Oscars. The odds are out for this year's Academy Awards. The odds are out, Ro. Uh, some updates on the telecast itself, the awards. We've had some uh, big uh, precursor awards, the BAFTAs. And I know mm -hmm. how much you love the BAFTAs because oh, it's sure. just fun. That's the British Academy Awards, essentially, right? Uh, and the fun thing there is they do you know, Academy Award for Best Picture and then Best British Picture because they're the BAFTAs. Hello, <laughs> BAFTA. So there's, and everybody looks at those and reads the tea leaves. And of course, because it's the BAFTAs, they are tea leaves and it's lukewarm and crappy yeah. tasting tea. But that's yep. another story. So we got all that going on. I want to give you an update. We just got this about the telecast itself. First of all, the producers of the Oscars are not messing around. They're really going to try to make this an entertaining telecast. You and I have talked about uh, the fact that the Emmys and the Golden Globes and the Grammys, they've kind of stumbled. They haven't had anywhere near the viewership they normally have. But here's what I say about the Oscars. If you've seen Ocean's Eleven, you know that Steven Soderbergh knows how to gather together more than a dozen big stars in multiple locations and pull off an improbable job against the odds, right? Yeah, that's true. So they're calling a lot of favors. They've got the first round of presenters that were just announced, including, and these are going to be in person in Hollywood or in downtown Los Angeles in alphabetical order. Angela Bassett, Halle Berry, Bong Joon-ho from Parasite, Don Cheadle, Brian Cranston. You love Brian Cranston. Oh, Laura Dern, Harrison Ford, Regina King, Marley Matlin, Academy Award winner. Rita Moreno, who I think was the very first EGOT, right? You know, Emmy, <laughs> Grammy, true. Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. Joaquin Phoenix, who, believe it or not, it was only a year ago he won for Joker. Yeah. It feels like Joker came out seven years ago. Brad Pitt, up-and-comer. And Academy Award winner Reese Witherspoon also, of course. Renee Zellweger and Zendaya all going to be there in person, Row, to mm -hmm. present the awards. Now, the other thing is we've talked about how originally they were saying no Zoom chats, no Zoom chats, so they're going to allow some nominees to be on video chat. But they came up with a very smart idea here. 
they're going to have a remote location in London because so many of the stars who can't make it to the States can get to London or are in London. They live in London, even though they have American accents in all their movies. It, it, Daniel Kaluuya. You see him accepting <laughs> his award, and you're like, wait a minute. He actually is British. So Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan, uh, you know, she just hosted Saturday Night Live, and people, I think, were shocked, some people. And they also were shocked to find out that she's married to a Mumford. Yes! So she's actually Carrie Mulligan Mumford, uh, which is fantastic. I love her. I think she's so great, and I'm, I'm kind of rooting for her to win. Also, red carpet. There is going to be a red carpet in Hollywood. They're only allowing, I think, 20 news outlets spaced out, four uh-huh. photographers, and no fans in the bleachers. So I think it'll be kind of fun. It's almost like when you're watching the football game and you can hear them swearing at each other. So, you know, if someone steps on someone else's gown, hey, bitch! <laughs> Cut that out. Cut no, that out. I'm not getting that out. That's staying right in here. Uh, the whole idea of bleachers for Oscar red carpet mm-hmm. is a relatively new invention. I think yeah. it's about 20, 25 years old. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be you just watch them walking into the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion right through the front door. Joan Rivers is the person who really invented making that into something. And uh, Army Archer, the old... Uh, yeah. You know, Hollywood press guy. But I remember, yeah, when I was doing the red carpet stuff, you know, now it's close to 20 years ago. They had just started building those bleachers. And they'd have contests or whatever. Right. And then after 9-11, of course, the security measures, you know, were really instituted with double fencing and everything. And we used to have to get there like eight hours before the broadcast. And once you were behind your little plastic hedge mm-hmm. where you were going to ask, you know, Beyonce, who are you wearing? Or, you know, other in-depth you questions leave, like right? that. You could not leave. Right. Even yeah. if you had to... Take a dookie. You were not allowed to leave. I have been, you and I have been in situations like that at political conventions and other things we've covered. Once you're in and security, or in that particular case, the Secret Service, says you must stay here, you have to, if you you drop dead from dehydration, you pee down your leg, you go in your own pants in any way, shape, or form, you have to stay there. It doesn't matter. You and I did uh, radio broadcast from the, was it 2012 Democratic Convention in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember we we got there about a week and a half before Brock uh, <laughs> bothered to show up, and and you're an old pro at that. So as uh, as you know, Brock was up there, and uh, Bill Clinton, the Clintons are up there, and he's up there saying, "Look, we're gonna win again," you know, and all that good stuff. You're like, "We have to go now," and I'm like, "What yep. do you mean?" And you're like, "Well, because if we don't leave now, we're leaving in two days. Right? We have it was to get my out trick. Of there. It's a little trick for those of you who ever have to fly <laughs> around a major security <laughs> event. And the truth is, we had done our work. It's not like we were, you know. Uh, shirking our responsibilities oh, no, done all I, our... I was shirking mine well, and, about... and we know what the speech is going to be and you know we've seen you know, these things before so you you have to get out of there it's sort of like and again i know some people think this is sacrilege but if you go see and hopefully we'll be able to go to concerts again but if you go see paul mccartney live and there's fifty-eight thousand people at wembley stadium or you're you know at soldier field in chicago or whatever the case may be when he comes out for the encore, it's like, look, he's going to do Hey Jude. And I love Hey Jude, but I've seen him do it a thousand times. That's when you leave. You leave. You can hear it in the background as you're racing to your car. If not, you're going to be in the parking lot six, seven hours afterward. Let's talk about the odds. Yeah. They're out. And you might be able to use this as you're filling out your Oscar ballot at AmericanEagle.com slash ballot. For the best picture, the odds-on favorite, as you mentioned earlier, is Nomadland. That's at one to six. 
right and, now. And what that means is for the non-gamblers out there. And by the way, there are now some sites and some places where you can really bet, not just pretend bet on the Oscars. We never advocate that. You do it your money, what you'll do with yours. I'll have a, a 17 parlay going that weekend, <laughs> but that's a whole other show. Yeah. Uh, but as you mentioned, you know, minus 600 means that you would have to wager $600 on Nomadland to win $100. Yeah. So it's a big, big favorite right yeah. now. Uh, Traveler Chicago 7 is second favorite. That's at eight and a half to one. Mm. So you bet a hundred bucks, you get eight hundred and fifty bucks. Minari comes in third there at plus twelve hundred. So that's okay. twelve hundred bucks to a hundred bucks. Now the the, uh, the this is crazy to me. Mm. The long shots are Sound of Metal, not so crazy, but the Father. Now that's kind of one of those sneak bets right there. It's yeah. worth putting ten bucks to win eight hundred bucks. Yeah, the, off of the ten Anthony bucks. Hopkins film. I, I agree. You know, you, when it comes to Best Picture, I do think Nomadland's going to win. But you look at something like The Trial of the Chicago Seven, which has all the ingredients of a Best Picture winner. You know, Aaron Sorkin, who's a very beloved figure, writer, director. This wonderful ensemble cast of younger, up and coming stars, but also wily veterans in there. I mean, Frank Langella's playing yeah. the judge, right? So you, all these familiar faces. Uh, Aaron Sorkin's films, no matter what you want to say about them, I love almost all of them. They're wildly entertaining because the dialogue is so amazing. So this is a, a, a film that had a, a broad appeal, courtroom drama, and historical biopic. Those are a lot of the ingredients that the Academy members love to vote for. I'm going to give you my little sneak here. I'm not saying I'm voting for this yeah. on our ballot, but I'm just saying that as a betting man, Promising Young Woman is at 14 to 1. Mm-hmm. That movie has an outside shot because every woman who is voting in the Academy mm. has experienced something like what that character goes through. Yeah. And she has become, Carrie Mulligan as an actress, and that particular character has really become almost anthemic to yeah. the, not just Me Too thing, because it's really not about that, but it's the date rape or being hit on inappropriately by drunk people. I mean, that's kind of what the theme of the movie yeah. is if you haven't seen it. Yeah. And it's beautifully done, but super disturbing. And cathartic and visceral. And we mentioned Carrie Mulligan, who has done some wonderful work for a long time, but, you know, posting SNL too. She is doing the classic Hollywood tradition of getting out there and campaigning and doing it in a very classy way. But there are other, you know, actors and directors, et cetera. You know, Frances McDormand just doesn't give a shit. And I mean that in the best possible <laughs> right, she way. She doesn't have to give a shit. She's got two Academy Awards. Yep. She's married to a Coen brother. She's got this great life. But she's not going to, you know, listen, she believes in promoting her movies. But she's not going to play ping pong with Ellen if she thinks it's going to gain an extra vote or something like that. <laughs> and the Academy, it's not as bad as the Golden Globes where it's like, if you're not our friends, we won't vote for you. But they are vulnerable and susceptible to that. And some actors in the past have said in retrospect, they would tell their publicists, listen, I'm not doing this dog and pony show. And they wish they had done the dog and pony show. Yep. Best actor and best actress. So best actor right now, Chadwick Boseman is the odds on favorite. You have to bet $2,000 to win $100 on Chadwick Boseman. I would take that bet right now. I think he is the hands down favorite, right? Obviously. Obviously, the real tragedy is that we lost Chadwick Boseman, this brilliant young artist and beloved figure and, you know, family man and just wonderful guy. I think he would have won had we not had that tragedy. This isn't one of those posthumous awards like, well, you know, we got to pay tribute to him. It, it's an amazing performance. It's the best performance as well. 
It is. It's part of an ensemble performance, yeah. almost cherry-picking him to be the lead actor in this. Probably has less lines of dialogue than maybe another male in that cast, but he is giving an opus performance. And everyone reacts off of him. That's the thing. You know, He's the character that stirs the pot. That's true. Uh, your long shot here is Steven Yoon. Bet $100, get $2,500 back. I think if you want to put $10 down to get $250 back, that is probably a good bet. And, you know, we we talked about Minari, too, and that's one of the films that Bill Maher singled out because it's about this immigrant family trying to make a go of it, and there are some major setbacks. But that's actually a very uplifting film Again, a great about story the American about America. immigrant experience. Yes. And, and Stephen Yoon, who's done a ton of great work, including starring in the early years of The Walking Dead, gives a great performance in this movie. You want me to be as cheap right now as Bill Maher? Maybe Bill Maher hates America. Why don't I just say that? <laughs> he's got right? a problem with people coming to America and right. making something. Maybe he didn't even like coming to America <laughs> with Eddie Murphy. See, that's cheap. That's ad hominem, as whoever likes to say. Say, I guess some dead Latin guy would say ad hominem. All right, now, best actress. You got Carrie Mulligan. She is the favorite right now. You bet 100 bucks and you get 175 back. Right, totally. Yeah, right. a little Total. bit less than that. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then Frances McDormand is number two at 275. Again, that's why I think this promising young woman might be a surprise here mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. we're watching it. I think she does win it. And then your long shot is Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman. There may be some disambiguation problem for the older voters. Well, that is true. I think Frances McDormand might be the odds-on favorite were it not for the fact that she does have Two Academy Awards already. She won just a few years ago for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, and she won for Fargo. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, and I don't have any problem with this. The Academy goes, it's like the MVP. Michael Jordan would have won it every year, but it's like, oh, let's give it to Carl Malone this year. And yeah. they've done it with LeBron. Same thing, yep. you know, where it's like, well, you know, and I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's recognizing other, you know, extremely talented artists. Uh, Viola Davis, I believe now, is getting close to that Meryl Streep territory where, first of all, she has one, but also you know she's going to get nominated again and again. And I think Carrie Mulligan might as well, but this is a marriage of actor and role that is just the perfect timing, I think, and I think she wins. Your best bet there is Andra Day. I said this at the Golden Globes. I'll Good. say it again. Andra Day, the United States versus Billie Holiday. Bet 100 bucks, get $450 back on that bet. That is a great value. You know, you did call that, and again, we talk about tendencies in Hollywood. Even with a much more diverse and younger uh, votership, they do love movies about entertainers. They do love entertaining biopics. It was just last year that Renee Zellweger won for her portrayal of Judy Garland. So here we got, you know, the Billie Holiday story. The performance is better than the film. But that doesn't, and so was the so was the performance. I wasn't that huge of a fan of anything about the Judy Garland film. I thought. It had a lot of shortcomings, but I think you got a great point here. You know, voters look at that and they're like, God, what a great story. And she sings her own vocals mm-hmm. there. Yeah. She sings on ah, the day. Just so. like, uh, we're, we're talking about that. A tour de force, as they used to say in the old ads. Next Variety. week, we'll do our whole battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I don't want to get too far into this. But I'm just talking about the odds here as people okay. are right. watching these. Yeah, and the supporting category for both actor and actresses where we've seen candidates come out of nowhere and score big upsets. Which is why Maria Bakalova is the odds-on favorite right now for the Borat subsequent movie film. Did she ask Rudy Giuliani to be her plus one? <laughs> that would be great. He would go. <laughs> I, know, you I know knew it. Went. I knew it was real. I knew it was real. 
She's still the favorite, but she is three to one though. That's a, that's the tightest of all of these categories. This is the great thing about the contest uh, this year, I think, Ro. I'm filling out my picks in all 23 categories. You are as well. This could be one of those years where you get all 23 right or I get like 10 out of 23 because most years we know who's going to win in all the major categories. This year, more than half of them are still toss-ups. That is so totally, totally true. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it will be a hugely viewed thing, and I'm so glad that Steven Soderbergh and the other producers there who are big Hollywood bigwigs came up with a good solution for this because you can't keep people out especially if you have like a young new director like you have for Nomadland Mm -hmm. who wins and then you don't let her into the broadcast I mean that that just doesn't make any sense in today's world and political environment well Bill Maher was saying he was looking for some escapist entertainment and on Sunday April 25th he can watch the Oscars (laughs) there you go Again, the Oscar ballot is AmericanEagle.com slash ballot. Fill it out. Let's have some fun. The Roan Roper Podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. AmericanEagle.com is a full-service global digital agency providing best-in-class web design, development, hosting, digital marketing services, and so much more. Visit AmericanEagle.com for more information. Executive producers for Screen Time. Renee Nelson, Tim Melanius, our music and production director, Brian Alzheimer. We'll see you next time.